Well, good evening. I'm Rick Dancer. Welcome to Get Real with Rick Dancer. And we have a great show for you tonight. We're going to be uh, kind of what I'm trying to do with this new broadcast being living in Montana is do more Montana stories. So had a parent call me from uh, here in Montana in Missoula area. And they said, have you heard about this story? And I said, you know, I did see something online. And they said, you have got to co cover this story. So we did a little work, um, got made some contacts, and uh, some people contacted us, and we're going to talk about that tonight. And what happened was at a freshman uh, health class, a paper with questions regarding students' sexual orientation were handed out. And um, I don't know how you'd feel if you were a parent and uh, that was handed out at the end of class and not explained very well. Uh, you might be okay with that, but some parents aren't. And that's what we're here to do, to talk about uh, all, all the issues. So our show is sponsored tonight by Chris Dale Family Industry, where everyone is welcome. You don't have to be vaccinated or unvaccinated. doesn't matter. They don't ask those questions. They're there to take care of your teeth, uh, not uh, step on your freedom. So that's one of our clients tonight. We also have Trans World Business and you're looking to sell business or you're thinking you want to buy a business, you're tired of working for the man or the woman, um, he can help you find a new way to do your business. We'll also have Bill London here tonight who's going to talk to you about how all of a sudden Oregon is no longer that all that concerned about the, the increase in uh, COVID cases that are coming up. It's just kind of, hmm, no one's really talking that much about it. So we'll have a little bit about that in our news segment. And what else do I have going on here? Oh, yeah, yeah. how could I forget? Rob Bait and Tackle, our twice a month guy down in Charleston, Oregon, on the Oregon coast. Well, guess what he found? A dead gray whale. Uh, so this thing washed up on the beach and he walked out there and it is pretty fascinating. He's going to take you up close and personal because, I mean, I've seen gray whales in the ocean, but I've never seen one that close like that. So he'll be showing us that. Let me do the open. Oh, first of all, let's show other, one of our other sponsors, Buck Sanitary Service. And Buck has the greatest. Look at these cool. So you can, you can rent a mobile shower if you're having a wedding. Or he, he uses these with firefighters as well. He also has outhouses, of course. That's part of what they do. And wait till you see the ones. These are used for weddings a lot. And then wait till you see this one wedding outhouse. Look at that. The man and the woman's wedding outhouse. Where else can you get the place where you can poo and do and say I do all in the same breath? Buck Sanitary Service, <laughs> one of my favorite clients because you know what? Somebody's got to do it, right? Somebody has to do it. You guys didn't know you were going to be on such a classy show, did you, Josh? I did you know? not know that, no. And Mike here, I mean, <laughs> you guys are sponsored by a porta potty company. That is amazing. No, they are the best people. Uh, Scott, he just goes, you know what, Rick? You do whatever you want. Just make sure people have a voice, and that's what we're doing. So, uh, but thanks for being on here, my neighbors in Missoula. Um, and uh, so, tell me what happened, um, Josh. Why don't you start by okay? Because Josh is a parent of some students. He also works with a lot of different students, so he's heard other concerns from other parents. And Mike is actually a school board member um, in Missoula, so he's here to talk with us about that. Josh, why don't you tell people what happened? Yeah, you bet. Um, you know, as a freshman health class. Um, and a student I know uh, was handed a questionnaire on a sexual orientation questionnaire at the end of class and uh, for a discussion purpose and then sent home. And the questionnaire was was pretty, um, well, it was just, how can you say it? It was just unbelievable, to be honest. There was no context given from the teacher. There was no frame around it. There was never any discussion given. And uh, the question was all about heterosexuality and and 
questioning your heterosexuality. Because I saw some of them were like, I think, can I still be on? Am I still on there? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So I can go to my email. You guys are helping me too. Yep. 99, they said 90, one of the questions was 99% of reported rapists are heterosexual. Why are straight so sexually aggressive? Right. I, I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to weigh in real quick. Where the go. hell do they come up with these numbers? I mean, you know, what study was done for that? I'm sorry. I, I don't, I don't buy that. And and then there's one, the majority of child molesters are heterosexuals. Do you consider it safe to expose children to heterosexual teachers, scout leaders, and coaches? I mean, you're asking 14 and 15 year old kids these questions. Yeah, I mean, there's no bias. I mean, there's no bias in those questions at all. Well, you know, the, the funny thing is, is this is actually not new, this handout. And, you know, this handout was created by a guy in 1977 to wow. provide um, compassion and empathy for those in the LGBTQ community from people in the heterosexual community because they get these questions asked of them all the time. My problem, my problem is the general gist of what happened in that classroom and that there was never the idea behind what well, the reason the guy wrote it is there were paragraphs written before and after to give context right. to, to an empathy for why those questions were being asked. There was never any context given. So when, when a 14 year old kid is handed that he's left to his maturity, his life experience. I mean, his social experience to just what disseminate that information on his own and figure it out. And he actually told me, I've never felt like shame for being heterosexual before I got this questionnaire. And, and none of us are saying that these that you shouldn't we shouldn't be discussing these things at all, because I think that, you know, we, we want to be understanding of our LGBT community and that kind of thing. But when you just put a question blaming heterosexuals for different things like that, what how is that building? How is that building conversation, Mike, as a school board member? How is that bringing us together as people this, so that we can better understand one another? Th this is grooming first and foremost. That's all it is. And I'm sorry, I, uh, uh, you know, I, I want to backtrack here a little bit and kind of get into how I, I learned about this. Um, I, I don't even remember now. I probably could follow up with my notes to figure out how I was notified. But as soon as I came across it, I, it was just given a screenshot from somebody and it was a really poor copy, but you could make out about 98% of it. I sent it off to the superintendent and said, hey, what's up with this? And, uh, you know, I told him, he says, I want the teacher identified. Uh, I'd like to know, uh, was this actually distributed? I want to see an actual copy. So that way I know exactly what it is. I don't have this, just this screenshot of what it is. And, uh, we had a couple other little things that transpired and he got back to me and to say my relationship with our current superintendent is contentious was, uh, is an understatement at this point. Uh, but he didn't answer any of my questions. Um, I got it. to this day, I've never heard officially through the school district who the teacher is. And I know they took some administrative action, but they have not noted they failed to notify me about that as well. OK, but you're a board member. Yeah, I know. Tell me about it. So um, aren't you supposed to wait, wait, wait. So doesn't the school, the school superintendent works for you? Yeah, I know. It, like, as I said, there's some things going on here that is just it's uh, we also have an election season going on right now that's coming up in two weeks. And uh, so. And that's that's been my point all along since I got on the board. I've only been on the board for about eight or nine months now. Uh, I was actually appointed to the position. And uh, my point from day one, as I've been very clear about this, is the superintendent works for the board, not the other way around. Now, my very first meeting with him as we sat down and I walked away from this meeting about an hour later thinking, boy, he really thinks he runs the show here. 
And uh, my time on the board, I've been a little bit more vocal as I've been as I've started to learn how things go. But that's exactly how it is. He answers what he wants to and does what he wants. And our current board just does not hold any accountability. And well, so what I'm, tra- what, what I'm tracking back with all of this is um, there's a reason these things are happening in the schools in Missoula right now. And we're getting word of other schools of these same type of things happening. It's because he's fostered an environment that allows this to happen. So, but don't you see this also? And I mean, we see this in Oregon um, with, with our governor too. It's like people don't question. It's like, I think we've all forgotten that elected officials work for the people. And instead our elected officials know that if they push and push and push that they can just take and take and take and people will put up with it until it gets to a point. How is Missoula, how are people in Missoula you know, impacted by this? What are they saying? I mean, I saw some of the articles online and that kind of thing. And I mean, and I know there's support for this probably out there too. We, you know, it's, it's a, it's a world that we, uh, you're going to get support and, but, but I, ha- I have not heard one negative thing about me trying to bring this to light. It, it's been 100% positive. Now at the same time though, too, um, I'm not considered the mainstream type individual either. So that would be supportive of this type of information. And I don't surround myself with those type of folks. Um, that being said, you know, when I walk around in the community, I talk to people, my Facebook page, I don't have anybody saying anything negative. I don't get any emails. I don't get phone calls. My phone number is out there for anybody to call me. It's posted on my website. It's on my Facebook page. You call me anytime with your questions, your emails. I have not gotten one negative thing about bringing this to light. So Josh, what's the positive? What, how do, how do people now take this? Okay. So we've, we've had this come out now. What do we do in terms of addressing issues, but also, you know, taking care of parents' concerns at the same time? Well, I think, you know, one of the things that I would say in, in, you know, just being a parent and understanding where our kids are is that we have to be active parents in the lives of our kids. That's a key. And I think one of the things that culturally we've experienced and done for, you know, maybe the last three decades is, you know, you drop your kids off at school and you expect a learning process to happen in their lives. And then they come home from school and you talk about whatever, but the last thing you talk about ends up being school because you're, you're figuring, well, they're going to learn math. They're going to learn English. They're going to learn science and they're going to become uh, graduates in a productive culture and society and become productive members of our, of our community. And the problem is, is that right now, even in Montana, and, and again, this is, I didn't study this out, so I'm not sure what the exact number is, but even if it's close to this, which I think it is, Graduating seniors in in Montana right now, 31% are considered proficient in the state. 31%. That's not advanced. That's proficient. And my thing is like, and that's in math and English. So my issue with all this is that we are falling behind uh, globally in education period. And now we're asking a 14, 15 year old kid to process through these these things that are meant to be processed through at home. Uh, you know, in other venues and other places and not paid for by tax dollars in, in public venues in this way. And I think the other piece of this that I really have trouble with is that parents were not notified. This no. was outside of the curriculum, um, which, again, I think t- teachers need to have some autonomy in what they can teach, but they also have to have some accountability in what they're teaching. And when you don't even notify parents that this information's coming out to your kids, I mean, it just feels... How can you build trust in a community that's already split like the rest of the country? I mean, it is so split right now in viewpoints. And how do you make an argument? How do you build trust when you don't even let parents know what's going on? And I think 
what it does is it erodes trust in the school system, which maybe then moves people to action. And that's been my really my message in this is that you have to vote to create change. And if you're not voting, then, then don't complain because you are placing you're just saying, well, then I'm hands off and you're allowing people to come in and represent your values that maybe don't even come close to representing your values because you're not voting. Right. And, and I don't know if we'll win this vote. I don't know how it will come out. Um, but man, my message has been to everybody. And I've, I've just said, you got to vote. You have to vote for the school board elections, which have never really been a huge priority. I don't think in our community until this type of thing happens. Well, see, and I think what people don't understand is if you, you know, where, where you can have the most power as a parent or a person is school boards, county commissioners, um, uh, city councilors, planning commission for the city. Those smaller alleged smaller positions are really where the things happen that directly impact you. And you get up to Senate and all that. I mean, right. it's, you know what I mean? And people, I think we've got it backwards. We think that these are the powerful people. And right down here, you're on the ground edge right there where you can well, do that. So can, can I weigh in here? I, yeah, go Josh, ahead. I want to hit a couple of things here because our, our public school systems are failing us. They're failing our country. And frankly, and as far as I see right now, it's common core. This has to go. Ever since it was introduced into the school district, our, our, our testing has gone through the floor. And we, we have to replace that with something better. I don't know what the answer is, but I know it's not Common Core. And well, I don't know anybody with kids that have tried to understand this and try to figure out what it does. It sure as hell doesn't educate anybody. It, you know. Well, and so, what's interesting to me, Mike, is that this is the same issue in Oregon. I mean, I'm not, yeah. not so much Common Core. I don't, I'm not sure. Yeah. I'm not, I don't want to speak out of turn. But our, our education rate is horrible. And all the governor's candidates that we have, you know, we have like 400 people running for governor on both sides. Um, all of them are talking about education for students because we've our governor, current governor, dumbed down the qualifications for students to have to graduate instead of raising them or making, you know, if we, we dumb them down. And the teachers unions are right there behind it, um, su supporting it. And it's like, I think parents have got to you're right they've got to start voting they've got to get involved and you can't just go well there's nothing we can do because then you're giving up well and, you're, you're right it, too sorry mike i oh. just want to say like as a parent you know i totally agree with that that it's been dumbed down the accountability has been dumbed down yeah my son is a freshman at one of the schools here in missoula he was given an assignment in january didn't turn it in he just turned it in and they accepted it now i don't know about you but when i was in high school that's no. never going to happen ever. But they can't say, well, you can't turn that in. I'm, and what is that teaching my kid? It's teaching right. my kid that you don't do the job. You still get paid. And right. I think when you see that culturally, when we see that lack of accountability, even in the classroom for a 14 year old kid in what even, you know, we're talking curriculum and all these different things. I mean, when it comes to the base level, we're just not requiring much of our kids. We're not how often when you talk to businesses in Montana and Oregon, we talk to business people, they can't find people that are committed to coming to work, to showing up on time, to getting their work done. Um, and where are they learning that? You know, I mean, right. well, it, it's it's crazy. Go ahead, Mike. One of the things we have to do is we've got to reach out to these teachers, these folks on the, you know, boots on the ground, so to speak. The problem is, is they're letting the union speak for them. And we've got to circumvent that a little bit. The union represents the the employee employer relationship, but when it comes to educating the kids, the unions here are taking a larger role here, and we need to circumvent that. We need to get down to these teachers here because there's some fantastic oh, teachers man. right here at MCPS. There's some really uh, there's amazing some other teachers. ones that I'm, I'm going to say I, I'm not going to comment, but I know 
that there are some fantastic ones here. I've even totally. reached out to some that have come to me here and this is like, I'm done at the end of this year. I can't do this anymore because we're not teaching anymore. We're right. indoctrinating. And it's like, you know, this is, and we've got to form those communications and get back with those folks together. You know, what, one of my folks that's running here uh, in another district made a comment about, you know, we were talking about the sex ed earlier. So that needs to turn around instead of being a mandatory class, it needs to be an opt-in. Parents need to specifically ask for that type of a class. Yeah, okay, I'll, I'll have them. But that's the only way it should be. You shouldn't have to opt out or, you know, there's too much of this kind of stuff that what you mentioned before, there's no reason why this stuff can't be taught at home. That, that's where it should be. And if you don't feel comfortable doing it, then then you need to sign the form. So, yeah, I'd like to have my kid th go through this class. Well, and how hard would it be to notify parents to say, hey, here's a discussion we're going to have? Because, I mean, I think it is an important discussion. I mean, I think kids need to be aware that people For a high school senior yeah, yeah, at a certain age. Maybe. Yes. And here's what you need, but, but have that as a discussion so people and a curriculum that parents can go over and understand what it is, too. Because, I mean, probably a lot of us parents need to understand that better. You know, if we're doing that with our children and seeing the questions and being able to have those conversations, that's way better than um, handing it out well, at the end of class. And, and what, I have a, what I have a real serious problem with is the underhanded way in which it was brought forward. It was handed out. And as the administration came back and said, oh, it was just used as an exercise to show what is offensive. Well, if that's the standard, then what's to say that the teacher can't just turn around and show a pornographic movie, a triple X rated movie, and after the movie's done, turn around and say, oh, I just wanted you kids to see what was offensive. So what's in, the difference there? So in Montana, then is education, this kind of feels like it's the same as Oregon as parents are concerned about. Um, are they getting enough and are they really graduating with what they need to survive out there in the world and not just survive, but to thrive right? and, and dream and hope and, and all those things. And it sounds like Montana is kind of in the same boat as my former I, home state of Oregon. I, I think what, what I see is it's the, the larger schools that are taking this on. You know, you get to the smaller schools around the state, you're not seeing it as much um, just because, I mean, that just it be, seems to be the way things work lately. Um, you know, I, I'd like to think so. Um, but the outpouring of support that I received is I, I don't think that's mainstream. I, I think those are just the, the most vocal ones that want to bring this forward. And the out, outpouring of support I've seen is, is not in line with that. Well, gentlemen, I, Josh has a soccer game to get to, and I am not going to be the cause of a child crying because I didn't get his father there on time. So I want to thank both of you for coming on and talking to us and being open about your discussion, and we appreciate your time. And let me know if other things are going on in Montana and Missoula because this is what we want to cover. We want to get your guys' information out there. I think this helps Oregonians, too, to hear we're not the only ones. That's right. All right. Absolutely. See you guys later. Thanks thank for your time. You. Bye. So there you go. Um, yeah, again, just so you understand, um, they're not saying that this shouldn't be, this is not a, a, a thing that should be talked about, a, a, you know, a topic that's not talked about, just, um, but it's something that needs to be handled in a certain way. And um, what I find fascinating is to hear um, how similar things are, uh, you know, that, and that's what I'm, I'm seeing in Montana. It's not, it's, it is different in smaller areas, but it's, uh, it's still, we all have the same issues. And if we can all work together on this, boy, it could be a lot better than that. Um, we're going to, in just a second, we're going to join Rob on the coast looking for a dead whale that washed up on the beach. First, we got a little message here from Lonnie Woodruff.
You just basically open this door into a world that people don't even know exists. And all of a sudden, here's all these ideas and businesses and thoughts and and uh, and you could change somebody's life that way because they had no plan in owning like a bike shop or a granite shop. And now all of a sudden they're doing something they never knew that they'd love. Both those cases, those guys weren't looking for those businesses they bought, but they fell in love with the, those businesses and they're actually both doing really well. And that's what I do. I'm kind of that dream maker, you know, and that's uh, I'm easy to talk to. I listen to the buyers. I listen to the sellers and um you know, just through conversation, I kind of figure out, and even sometimes we look at a few businesses. I'm not going to twist your arm into buying, making you buy something you don't want. I'm just going to help you find something that's going to be a good fit. And that's more important to me because I want to, I want you to be happy with your purchase because it's going to be a big part of your life for a while. Good afternoon, Rick. Good afternoon, everybody. I guess I should say good evening. Rob here from Basin Tackle. Wasn't sure what we we're going to cover today, but one amazing thing about the ocean and this area in particular is that it'll always give you some topic of interest no matter what we got intermittent squalls coming down a lot of wind i apologize for the wind if it's bad but it's uh you know, we talked about it before it's whale watching season in the ocean out there and if you're lucky enough you get to actually go and see a real live whale from some of the different viewpoints we have around here Gonna go for a walk on the beach here. See if we can spot a whale. Look behind us. There's one. It's dead, but it's still a whale. It counts. So we're gonna go check it out. I'm not even making this up. This is real, y'all. This is a, I don't know if it's a gray whale or what. I think someone said it was a gray whale. I can't believe there's not tons of people out here poking it with it. I'm going to poke it with a stick. How many people do you know that have poked a whale with a stick? Well, your answer is now one. All right, so we're going to head on over here. Yeah, there's a, it's kind of freaky. I feel like I'm doing something bad. I mean, I am, but here, I'll show you. Here's my stick. This is Winchester Bay, the third beach. This thing is enormous. I, the, the, the video does not do it justice. You know, everything dies. I don't know what its story was, if it just got sick and died or what, but oh my gosh. That's no joke. An actual, like I'm kind of freaked out getting up to it. Poor thing, but I am going to poke it with a stick. There, I poked it with a stick. Isn't that amazing? I mean, it's horrible that it's that it's died and it's dead. But but what what an amazing view it's it's giving us. What a what an incredible thing to be able to study this close up. I'll never be this close to a whale in my life. And it's sad that it's that it's expired. But there's this filtration system to eat all its krill and stuff. There's all kinds of open things in there. Oh, that is. Can't be that bad. I'm gonna have more. 
It's a mozzarella stick. All right, y'all. Just want to share that with you. I don't know how long it's going to be here. I don't know what the plan is, but as long as we don't get ODOT involved, we'll be okay. I think it was 1973. There was a big whale that washed, a, washed ashore in Florence. And uh, they blew it up with dynamite. And it didn't work out so good. Check out the video. All right, folks, take care. God bless each and every one of you. God bless America. This is Dr. Michael Brown with Chris Dental. Oregonians allowed the lockdowns to remain in effect for two long years. Two years. We allowed government officials to dictate what we put on our face and what we put on our bodies with little opposition and not enough questions. Why do I bring this up now? Because trust me, they will bring back masks next winter after the elections. Next time, don't be complacent. Actually follow the science and let your voices be heard. Next time, stand up to these power-hungry politicians. Good evening from the News Radio, 1120 AM and 93.7 FM KPNW Studios. I'm Bill London, and I'm well fed. I host the uh, Wake Up Call, by the way, on KPNW, 6 AM to 9 on uh, Monday through Friday mornings, but please don't hold that against me. All right, here's a look at some of the stories we're following. Well, Oregon health officials today had their big press conference urging personal responsibility to prevent the spread of the coronavirus, even as they acknowledged rising case numbers and a projected increase in hospitalizations in coming weeks. At the first of what are now expected to be monthly briefings providing updates on the pandemic, Oregon Health Authority epidemiologist Dr. Tom Jean said the agency expects cases and hospitalizations to continue to rise. The recent case increase likely, they say, connected to lifting mask requirements and more Oregonians gathering indoors doing what they did before everything was locked down and we were put in COVID jail. The state is not making any material changes to the more hands-off approach to the pandemic management that it adopted a month ago when it declared an end to the emergency phase. Reported coronavirus cases, though, are climbing for the third week following nine weeks of steady declines with an average of about 550 new cases per day reported Tuesday. That's up from a late March low of about 200 new cases a day. Moreover, according to Gene, the state's reported number of COVID cases is an undercount. They believe the actual number of cases could be as high as 10 times more than reported. But that's not necessarily a problem for the state because health officials can still track trends and most importantly, hospitalizations, which they say is the most accurate measure of the pandemic's burden. Right now, there really aren't a whole lot of people hospitalized with COVID, about 110 people currently. They expect there to be a bump and it will peak June 10th at about 220 occupied beds. That's according at least to their latest assessment. Now, speaking of the pandemic, though most of the pandemic restrictions in Oregon are gone, well, about 40 different businesses cited by state safety officials for violating COVID mandates are owing hundreds of thousands of dollars in fines to the state. More than 200 companies were fined between March of 2020 and March of this year for violating state mask mandates, capacity, and physical distancing and closure mandates. 
Oregon OSHA levied about a million dollars in total fines, and a majority of the companies, most of them fined a few hundred bucks, have paid. But about 40 companies, including some that were cited more than once, that were accused of willful violations have appealed. The appeal of companies with some of the biggest fines claimed that OSHA overstepped its authority and that the mandates were unconstitutional. The appeals are still underway and continue to take up state time. Five of the largest fines went out to Capital Racket Sports in Salem with five citations totaling almost $217,000 in fines. You have Cavista Coffee in Bend with three citations totaling $116,000. Along came Trudy in Springfield. That restaurant was cited twice for a total of 50, almost $52,000. The LC School District has one citation for $43,000 and Casey's Restaurant in Cave Falls has two citations totaling $36,000. During the pandemic, the agency says it received more than 31,000 complaints about COVID violations. Some overtime, according to OSHA, was required and the department hired temp workers. Some officials faced angry owners and in one instance, an armed threat. Protesters also showed up at the home of the former administrator, Michael Wood. The department also dealt with online threats, mostly from Facebook. The agency gave compliance officers, they say now, de-escalation training to help them defuse tense situations. And as you'll find out in the story, de-escalation in some cases meant running away. So few of the citations were directed at businesses on the coast, and there were a few in large urban counties. For example, only six businesses in the entire Portland area were cited for willful violations. Majority were filed largely in rural counties, including Crook, Deschutes, Jackson, Josephine, Klamath Lake, Polk, Waskow, and also Lane, where anger against restrictions grew as the pandemic persisted. Some business owners doubted the virus posed a significant threat. Others disagreed with OSHA requirements. OSHA encountered one of the more aggressive responses during inspections that along came Trudy's, the restaurant in Springfield. When inspectors turned up on March 1st of last year, they found a sign in the door that said no trespassing to state and government officials. OSHA claims in a report that people were standing outside guarding the restaurant. According to their report, they wore pistols on their hips and one person was armed with a sword. According to the report, quote, these people made threats to other regulatory agencies saying if anyone tried to shut down Trudy, they would crack some skulls. The inspectors left. Trudy Logan, who owns the restaurant, was quoted in the Capital Chronicle that the restrictions were unconstitutional. She says, we have a right to take care of ourselves. She said, when is it a sin to go to work? I wasn't holding anybody's feet to the fire to come in. She also said she had no choice but to stay open because her husband had recently died. OSHA fined her twice for not enforcing the mask mandate or following capacity restrictions. She appealed the $51,000 in fines. The case is before the Workers' Compensation Board for an administrative judge to decide after being cited Companies can settle with OSHA. If they decline, the citation goes to an administrative judge at the workers' comp board. And if the judge rules in OSHA's favor, well, the companies can sue. Kevin Mannix, 
A Salem attorney who's representing three companies said in one appeal that the restrictions were unconstitutional. Other than that, he's not talking about the cases. So who's going to vote and when and for whom? Voters seem to be evenly divided on which political party they're going to vote for, at least according to one poll that was released yesterday. The Politico Morning Consult poll found that if the election in Congress was held in voters' districts today, 43% would most likely vote for the Democratic candidate, 42% for the Republican candidate, and a separate 16% said, I don't know. When broken down by gender, 45% of men said they'd vote for Republicans, 39% Democrat, 46% of women would choose a Democrat, and 38% the Republican. When looked at by race, they say that at this point, it could be anybody's guess. That's one poll. All right, that pretty much covers it for now. So, Rick, we're going to turn it back over to you, where you can now do that thing that you call being Rick. Rick real. Rerick. Rerick. There you go. Get Rerick. You're nuts. So I think I was looking it up, and I think that the last day to register to vote um, is the 26th of April. And I think the ballots start coming out on the 27th over the next couple of weeks. I want to do one other comment. Uh, Bill was talking about um, along came Trudy's. Um, Trudy has been um, treated pretty poorly by some members of this community uh, or your community um, because um, and, and people didn't know all the facts that her husband had died. She didn't have a choice but to make a living. Um, and I think it's really easy to judge people. And people were so nasty to her, but people weren't asking questions. And it was just, um, oh, you're you're hurting people. But, but what about her survival? And a lot of those people that were complaining had jobs and were going to jobs and were still working. And uh, so put yourself in someone else's shoes before you open your mouth and start um, blasting them about what you think. Because a lot of times what I see on social media is what you think and what you think you know, you don't know the backstory of people's lives. So put yourself in their shoes and then maybe you can better understand. Or, you know, that bottom line is, or just keep your damn mouth shut because it's really none of your business why people do what they do. And that's what we need to get back to in this country is back to freedom of speech, being able to talk about issues like we talked about tonight, and also um, being able to do what we need to do to provide for our family, to keep a roof over our head. And that's called freedom. And um, I think when you see the ballot box coming up in May and in November, you're going to see a lot of people voting for their freedom because we know what it's like to have it taken away. Um, tomorrow night, we have a great show for you. We have, uh, we're going to honor, oh, sorry, Bill, what are you doing? You came back. We're going to be honoring Chris Kilcullen, um, an officer who was uh, shot and killed doing his job, traffic stop. Uh, 11 years ago. And there's going to be a, a ceremony on Friday. So tomorrow we're going to talk to an officer about him and what he brought to the table. That and your news and everything else. So take this, share it on your page, let other people know what's going on. And if you have any comments, go ahead and make them. Um, just be nice. Um, and if you disagree with us, disagree nicely. Don't be personal. Don't take, don't, don't act like a bully in middle school. Just make your comment and shut up. <laughs> Good night.